Welcome. The Leadership Lesson Podcast inspires leadership growth in everyone. We have enthralling conversations with top leaders in order to provide you with life-changing lessons. My name is Caleb Nichols. I'm a speaker, a pastor, and a family man. My hope is to inspire spiritual depth and leadership growth in you. I love to sit down with leaders from a variety of fields, hear their personal stories and leadership experiences. This creates the podcast. Enjoy. Well, welcome to the podcast. This is where we talk about leadership lessons with uh, my co-host, uh, Bradley Smith. And today, uh, we don't have a guest on, but we are, we are going to be the guest. <laughs> welcome. So Brad's going to uh, interview me yep. about leadership and uh, my journey into leadership, what it's been like, what it's like now, and what it maybe will yeah. look like in the future. So I'm going to hand all over to Brad. I'll take it. He's going to ask me the tough questions. <laughs> no, it's good. I think this is a good, t- it's really good to discuss leadership and what it is and to think about it, even just getting ready for today. It, it challenged a lot of the things that I've been doing and mm. how I've been leading and stuff. So I'm firstly keen to hear like, what is leadership? Like, how would you define leadership? Um, not very fancy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not John Max- Maxwell or anything, but I would define leadership in a really simple way. And I say simple because I think a lot of people struggle to nail the simplicity yeah. of leadership. Obviously, the words suggest that you're going somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. being leadership, you're taking a followership. So That's there's good. a bunch of people should be yeah. following you. And you've got to end up at a destination, mm. which I think is one of the greatest challenges of leadership is being mm. clear on what point B is. Yeah. And then secondly, the ability to take mm. the followership. So who's following you actually there? Yeah. Lots of leaders have formal leadership positions but they don't actually mm. have clarity on where they're going and they're not very good at getting people to follow them so they're the, mm. that's what i think kind of defines leadership i like it, it simplifies a lot and so for like let's break the context of this down for someone who's watching like is leadership for everyone is it for your position like how would you talk about mm. um like how it relates to our everyday life versus I, our professional life. Well, I think leadership is for everyone. It has to be because mm. everyone has to lead their own life. Yeah. Like if you can't lead your own life, yeah. then you know, you're not going to get out of bed in the morning. You're going to be depressed. Yeah. You're going to have no motivation. Mm. So I think leadership is applicable to all of us and there's probably no point trying to fight it or trying to redefine it as, as what you might call formal leadership roles or positions yeah. because we all have to lead our life. Mm. And if you want to like fall in love or have some kids or have yeah. a half decent job, you're gonna have to learn to do, uh, you're gonna have to hone your leadership skills. It's so good. I think that this is a, a big part of the responsibility and it seems like mm. this has taken off as something that people are really drawn to at the moment. You mm. see books, like even I love the Jordan Peterson books. So and much. it's all about responsibility, which could kind of be pushed into like leadership of your life and that Definitely. type of thing, which I think we can all relate to and we can all think like leaders for what you said, our own lives, our professional lives, mm. where we're leading ourselves, where we're leading our families, mm. that type of thing. So like, how's, tell us a bit about your leadership journey. Like what's it looked like? So you're okay. 39? 38. 38. Okay. Yeah, he's up. <laughs> well, I mean, pushing it. So I look older than 38. <laughs> well, it depends how good your leadership journey's been. <laughs> Most the last two years have aged me. That's, the... <laughs> That's a good sign of, a, of wisdom coming. Is it? Okay. I reckon. Um, yeah, so I'm 38, so I mean, I lead myself, obviously. I lead in my home, definitely. Yep. I've got a wife, got four kids, yep. uh, and that requires a unique uh, leadership. And I, think, <laughs> I think in the home, in yeah. your home is a unique challenge because it's easy to retreat in your own home, and, yeah. but to step up mm. when you, know, you don't get paid for it and no one's watching, and it's yeah. just you and your kids and your wife in that kind of private place. I think that's, 
it's a real challenge of a leader. That's integrity, isn't it? To step up and lead well uh, when it doesn't earn your paycheck yeah. or it's not going to earn you any accolades. It's just you and your house with your kids. But the proof is in the pudding, you know, because yeah. your kids are going to turn out some way and you're going to have a huge impact on that. Yes, I've got the wife, got four kids. <laughs> That's a big shift to lead. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. And then I probably lean on two other fronts mainly. So um, in the church, yep. where we're sitting right now. Yep. Um, so I've been, uh, I've been a pastor uh, since I was uh, 24, mm. 24, so I'm 38 now. So almost 15 years. Wow. And I've been the lead pastor of this church for the last nine years, wow. since 2012. So when you're the lead pastor, that means you have other pastors on your team. Yeah. And then you have, and, and leading in a church is really unique because most of the workforce are volunteers. Yeah, that would so, be so, so like interesting. any non-for-profit charity church. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's a very unique style of leadership because you can't, there's no dollars that you're pulling on mm. people's motivation. Yeah. You're just pulling on uh, really the mission that people believe in the mission of the church and, and want to get behind it and therefore want to give their time. Yeah. So that's, that's that tough. really interesting. <laughs> I love, one of the things that I love watching you as a leader is that I'm in the business world. So it's more about like what a, someone wants to be a part of something good, but B, there's a financial reward. Yep. So people will do things because it's just their job, yep. where you have kind of haven't got that card to play because no. really it's like, are they following God's mission and yeah. what God's called them to do? And yeah. it's interesting to watch. I think as a business owner, I can learn a lot from that mm. um, just because there's, there's, there's an extra gear when you can get someone to do what they're called oh, to 100%. do or not even get someone to do it, but help them to find a position that allows them to flourish in what they're called to do. Definitely. And I love watching you do that here at the church and it looks challenging at times, that's it for is, sure. It is really challenging. And you can't, at the end of the day, you've got to show um, grace and understanding and empathy when people yeah. don't live up to what they said they would. Because mm. uh, at the end of the day, they're not doing it for a paycheck. And, yeah. and at the end of the day in the church world, you're really asking people to do things for God. Yeah. And that's, I think, can be difficult um, because people can get caught up on doing it for the pastor, yep. doing it for their wife who also is in the church or doing it for a friend or something like that. Mm. But, but at the end of the day, ultimately, it's um, doing it for God yep. and he sees the heart and he sees what people give. So it's trying to help people connect with God and then their motivation come out of serving God. Yep. But then my leadership role is to kind of facilitate all of that yeah. while still being responsible for you know, what I'm actually paid to do because I'm full time. And so, the, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a fine line. That's so. interesting, yeah, especially because, like, I mean, I like hearing about the, the concept of allowing someone to come in and flourish in their calling. But there's also just that job part that you yeah. are a pastor, so you are here because God's called you. But there's also you just got a job to do. I yeah. reckon that would be a very difficult um, switch between hats. Like Lots how of do, hats. How do you sort of differentiate between, all right, sometimes we've just got to do what we've got to do because it's just a job mm. versus, of course, you want people to be doing what they love, what they're passionate about, what they're mm. called to. Like, how do you sort of differentiate? Well, I, I still, to be honest, I still think it's like any leadership position in any yeah. organisation. I think if you're the best leadership stuff, you know, if you read it, it's not going to be about money and business yeah. versus non-for-profit and mission. Yeah. The best business stuff, even though money is going to be a big factor in the bottom, there's a bottom line yeah. and you've got to meet, you know, responsibilities there like yourself yeah. in your business or else your business is over. Yeah. I mean, effectively, a church yeah. is still the same. If there's no yeah. money, we can't operate. Yeah. We can't turn the lights on. Yeah. 
So there's similarity, but I think the big ticket thing in the non-for-profit world that business world could learn from is that, yeah, you're motivating people around the mission, that they believe in it, that there's passion and and they'll kind of lay their life down for it. But that's ultimately what you want in business. I mean, what real leader in the business world wants people rocking up for a good paycheck? Ultimately you want, and people, and they've shown, this is proven through data and proper research, but it's shown that people will take less money if they feel like they're in a job where there's a mission and they're passionate about it and they're having a, a, an impact on the world. Yeah. And you look at organisations today, I mean, in the Western world, we're demanding mm. that McDonald's, uh, Apple, mm. you know, banks all have this kind of um, charitable arm or have this uh, social human community interest or have this uh, green yeah. emissions element, green mm. businesses. So we're demanding that even. It's the no, big business can't just say anymore, well, we're here to offer you a service and pay you money. Like people yeah. are demanding an ethical so true, element. Yeah. And that's always been in the church. And that's always been in non-for-profit charity mm. world. Like it's, ethic, it's about ethics, it's about mm. lives, it's about the community. Um, yes, I think it's, I think it's really, really powerful. The other thing that I do, so I've got the home, Mm. the church, and the third element is, is I founded with a great team, a school in 2016. Yeah. Yeah, So it's attached to the church, been going for six years and that uh, I'm the chairman of the board Mm. there. So I work with the board and I meet with the principal every week. And so that's a bit of a different leadership role because in the church, I'm a bit more hands-on. Yeah. We're in the school. It's very much governance, strategic oversight like you do with governance mm. and then you work with the principal but they run yep. the day-to-day and lead the actual school so I'm interested to ask about that because one of the questions I had for you is that I've seen you here like you're highly talented as a preacher so you kind of lead what from what I see you lead a lot of the church stuff around you like you're the, a star player or the star player on a Sunday mm. oh, thanks, <laughs> you're up there too <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but like you're in the forward, like, it's like you're in the forward pocket, but I'm like the the goal kicker. I'll take Scotty Pippen. You can take Scott Jordan. Pippen. <laughs> I love it. No, but it's true. Like I don't know about that podcast <laughs> listeners. Yeah, I'm, I don't know about me, but it's Scotty Pippen. <laughs> but um, um, it's true though. Like you're very much like you've got a great gift and grace here and a skill, mm. and you are a key. Like without you on a Sunday, it's yeah. it's very different. And most but, churches are like that. You've got to be the key yeah. guy because it's not big enough yeah. to have a bunch of key guys. <laughs> but then on, on Monday to Friday, there's a school here, which is totally different. You're not, you're not even really mm. a part of the... Mm. You're not even on the playing field, really, yeah, like, yeah. I'm guessing. Like, what's the differences you've seen in leadership styles from yourself? Like, what's your natural leading style? And what have you had to develop as you've gone from star player to government? Well, that's, that's a super question. Yeah, because you're spot on. Like in the church, it is a lot more hands-on. And mm. like, especially on a Sunday, I'm the main face you're going to see. So it's yeah. a lot of pressure in that sense because, mm. you know, it's a real honour that people would come and listen to you speak. Mm. Like every week, there's there's a couple of hundred people that'll come and listen to me say something for 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like, and give me their time. Yeah. And and like, and they're ultimately, they're really giving it to God. But like, I, I treat that, you know, with a lot of respect and yeah. I prepare a lot and I make sure I do my absolute best and work on my yeah. skill because I want to help them connect yeah. with God and I want to honour uh, their time. And then during the week with the church, yeah, I'm a lot more hands-on and a lot more preparing yeah. for the weekend, things like that. Yeah. In the school, what I've had to learn is, because um, my um, definitely my strengths are in taking responsibility, yeah. uh, leading from the front, yeah. making things happen. I'm definitely... There's a strengths, a Gallup um, yeah. strengths finder test I did a few mm. years ago, and it looks at 
good process that. 32 yeah. strengths. Oh, you've yeah. done it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's really good. And, num and responsibility was number one for wow. me. So that was a real eye-opener. I was like, okay, I need to make sure I'm doing things mm. where someone needs to take responsibility yeah. because that's what I'm going to be naturally good at. That's interesting. And so, but with the school, I've had to learn to take responsibility without being hands-on. Yeah, okay. So that's been a real challenge. So I've had to learn to sit back mm. and work with the principal and more focus on building the relationship with the principal, having high levels of trust, creating a space where he can talk because he's the leader of the school and he doesn't have a lot of people to talk to. Yeah. So he needs to be free to talk and how's he really going yeah. with the job. And so that requires friendship and trust. And But then I have, you know, I founded the school, so I have a, a strategy in mind, a mission in mind, yeah. but I've had to learn that I can't do this one hands-on because yeah. that's not how a school works. Mm. Mm. I can't go in there. If I did that the way that I lead in the church, I'd become like a bit of a controlling tyrant Yeah. because yeah. I'd be saying to the principal in every meeting, do this. And I, I saw a kid in the playground and he did this. And, you know, I, I noticed, you know, what's happening with... Mm. And you just would get too involved and then he would leave because yeah. he wouldn't be a principal, which is a significant leadership role. Really, yeah. he would be, you know, forced to be a yes man. And so I've had to really approach that totally different more from a relational trusting way and then as you do with governance you've got to set up strategic parameters that the principal and the staff can run within yeah what so does they that use, look like well they use their creativity to execute yeah but then as a board and a chairman you set up the parameters mm -hmm. and and i suppose you're really holding the principal to the mission yeah and really putting things in place to avoid mission drift that's so good that's so, really what you're doing so you're saying Obviously, a big part of your leadership skill is getting people on mission. That's, yeah, big, I I think so. that's the point yeah. of church and really leadership. But mm. the thing that I'm interested to dig into is like these parameters, because I think it's a difficult thing that I face and I'm sure everyone faces is giving people, when you're leading someone somewhere, giving them the freedom to express and yeah. to, to fulfill their call. But at the same time, as like <clears throat> have the boundaries of we're going somewhere. Like, yeah. So how do those boundaries look for you? Like, how do you... How do you communicate them to your team? How do you hold your team accountable to it? How do you make sure people bounce off the boundaries mm. that we're set as an organisation? Well, I think they need to be really clearly articulated. Yeah. So I've always been really big on policies and having position descriptions and that, mm. which in the church world is is when, you know, no one ever taught me to do that. And that was nothing, that was never really... I can vouch for that. It's really structured. Probably respected or honoured even in the mm. church. And so I really brought that in 10 plus years ago, even before I was a senior pastor. Yeah. So I think that that's being fair because mm. you've got to put things on paper. Mm. If you don't put things on paper, there's too much room that's for miscommunication. And yes, we hate paper and policies and no one likes that stuff, but you've got to be fair and you've got to find a way, I think, to do it that's not taxing. Yeah. You don't need to have paper that's you know, 10, 15 pages all the time, but at least having one page mm. is what's your job description. We even do that for volunteers here, mm. have a brief job description. So I think getting the strategy on paper, I think that's the first thing. There's got to be it written in black and white and everyone agreeing that the words on the page are what I thought I was doing and what I thought the mission that's was. That's great, yeah. That's really important. Then I think um, secondly, part of the parameters is you've just got to set up a scoreboard, which mm. is a real challenge, but you've got to have, as a scoreboard is in a sporting game, it's got to be simple. It's got to have a few numbers on it. Yeah. Like, you know, you watch the footy, the AFL, yeah. and, and you see you see goals, behinds, and the total score. Mm. So it's, the scoreboard is very brief. Mm. You might, and you're gonna see the time of the game as well. So you've only got to have four or five bits of information in the scoreboard. So you can't have statistics overloading you, but you've got to have something that 
winning looks like this. So when we kick a goal as an organisation, uh, we get a, a score on the scoreboard. So interesting. I love hearing know. a church leader talk about a scoreboard. Because <laughs> well, it's so important. Well, everyone wants to win. Yeah. It doesn't matter what, if you're known for profit or business or whatever, you want to win. Mm. And winning is about the mission and kicking goals to get to the mission. And if people don't have clarity on the mission and clarity on what a kicking a goal looks like, so why would you want to play? So I reckon that's like a take home. And just as you speak about that, I'm reflecting on the things in the areas that I lead, even our home, like we've started exactly. to develop, before we got married, we developed the mission for our marriage, a few, yes. just a few sentences and scriptures that would guide our marriage. Then um, at work, we're very big on like, this is your job description, this is your scoreboard, this is how you know if you're winning or you're losing. Right. But it's so easy to drift from that because so you, you get so many stories. And I just think that these scoreboards and these documented things are great ways to come back to Definitely. this is where we're going. And I can vouch to what you're talking about here, even as a volunteer at the church here, when Mads and I started um, helping with the young adults coordination, we got handed a, a position results description, like mm. a PRD. Mm. Um, and we could see very clearly, there was, I think, five dot points on what winning would look like. Yeah, great. Um, and we know that things are going well when this is happening. So yeah. when that's not happening, we know we've got to, something's got to yeah. change. Um, and I just thought that was a really good way to structure an organisation that's clearly got a mission. A church is probably the easiest organisation to know its mission. Yes. Um, but, um, yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah, really good. Good chat. <laughs> no, I was a bit off tangent there, but I think this. it's really, this leadership stuff is so important for us to get back to so we can lead, lead ourselves and our people somewhere. And I yeah. would say that one of the key outcomes of leadership is leverage, that mm. through your leadership, you can do more together than what you could do on your own. Definitely. Like, for example, you could come here and preach your heart out, but if you didn't lead a great team, so when Definitely. people come here, they were welcomed. When they encountered God, they had a place and a process and people to talk to, like all that is team. And Definitely. Well, I wrote that down, um, I think, um, for, for, for probably one of my best leadership lessons that I've learned over the journey is exactly that, picking a good team. Yeah. Like when I was younger in leadership, you know, I was just oozing confidence. Mm. And, 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 you know, <laughs> and you were probably the same. <laughs> what like, age? Oh, in your tw early 20s. What you know. haircut? <laughs> Don tips. <laughs> Peroxide. <laughs> Peroxide's back. It's, it's coming back. So right. if there's any 24-year-olds watching yeah, that have got like, blonde tips, we, know that we've you, been there. you're going to get to 40 <laughs> and you're going to regret the blonde tips. <laughs> but um, I think picking a great team. Because when yeah. I was young, like, you know you need a team and, like, mm. that's rational. Mm. But you don't really get it. Yeah. And I think I think getting into more formal leadership positions where I had bigger mm. budgets and more people to look after and responsibility taught me a lot. And I think yeah. getting married taught yeah. me a lot. <laughs> me too. You know, there's, there's a real... And, and obviously making a bunch of mistakes in my 20s, all of that kind of... Mm. It's just the arrogance of a young man. Yeah. Yes, I had confidence in that, which was great, and mm. assertiveness and whatever. But, man, I, I chewed some people. Yeah. And, and I'd really told some people some truths. <laughs> and like, you look back and you're like, oh, yeah. And it was probably right. And I've always been a good leader, mm. but it's just the tact, the mm. skill, the probably emotional intelligence. It's interesting. Probably being able to prioritize, like mm. what's really important to sit down and confront someone with and mm. what's like not. Yeah. And you know, like, so I let so a lot true. more things go now. I show a lot more grace and, uh, but I think in that I learned, I think, I think if I'm really honest with you, I think when I was young and that confidence and arrogance, I didn't really get what it meant to have a good team. Yeah, okay. And that's why I wrote that down today. I think my greatest leadership lesson so far, or one of them over the years, has been learning to pick a great team. That's because so 
I've come to realise, as I've been humbled by all mm. of these different experiences, um, I've come to realise that mm. y you can't do anything without a team. Like, yeah. you can't even... I, I couldn't have even driven here this morning for a podcast <laughs> if there wasn't people out there that, you know, made the roads flat and made sure the traffic lights so work true. every day and, like, everything. We're so interconnected mm. as human beings, but we, we have this mm. weird this human condition where we bend into this belief system yeah. that we're somehow alone or isolated so or, and we're just not and even to drive you're not yeah. like people are doing all kinds of stuff so you can just drive on the road let alone here in the church like there's so many people working all the time to do bits and pieces so that maybe i can be the star player preaching on a sunday yeah. and getting that team right means that you are aware of your weaknesses because so picking a good team means that you pick people Mm. They're gonna they're gonna allow you to do your strengths, mm. so I can focus on my strengths, mm. and that are gonna do the jobs where you're weak, yeah. because they're strong in those areas. And I think that's mm. the real key. And so, what's the like? I love that concept. I think it's so important. I reckon a lot of people have heard that stuff. How are you making sure that it gets executed? So, how are you first identifying your strengths and weaknesses? Then, how do you decide on the the core team to build around that? Yeah, I think one of the best things, probably that I always did okay, but I've got a lot more better at it as I probably got a bit more humble, um, is as I just ask for a lot of feedback. Yeah. Like I've just really learned to get over being concerned with feedback. I'm not even yeah. looking for affirmation at all, really. I'm really looking for what's going to help me be better. That's interesting. And so asking that a lot about myself, and, and you would experience this with the church, like we're not, we're not scared to go to the church, the congregation and say, what did you think of Sunday? Yeah. What do you think of what we're doing? What did you think of this event? Yeah. Like we're just always looking for ways to refine what we're doing. And I think just learning to ask that a lot, asking my mm. team. Mm. I mean, I've been blessed with, like in the church here, we have um, an oversight team, like a board yeah. who helps govern the church. And, um, and they're just a great, I mean, a lot of those guys are older than me. Well, yeah. most of them are older than me. They've been on boards longer yeah. than me. They've been in church longer than me as an adult in church longer than me. Mm. And um, so I'm always asking those guys as well, so, what did you think of this? Or how do you think I'm going with the job? Or any feedback? Or how do I do this with a staff member? Yeah. Or just always looking for, I think uh, when I was in my 20s, I, I would think of a way and I would execute. <laughs> now I still think of a way to deal with things because yeah. I'm good at that. Yeah. And, and you, you're the same, good at solving problems. And I'm very decisive, which is great strength. But now I know what I want to do, but then I run that by three or four people yeah. and refine what I want to do, sometimes even totally change it based on mm. the advice of others. So then you're getting, you know, and the real skill as a, I think, I think, and I wrote this down as well, I think this is one of the greatest skills yeah. of a leader is not sitting in your formal leadership position, you know, speaking down the mountain to everyone else who's not at your height yet. Yeah. I think, that's, I think that's a crazy use of a formal leadership position. You know, we fight our way to the top of the mountain and we get in this seat and we're sitting in this position and people come to us and we have certain powers and we can spend certain money and whatever. But then the whole point of getting to this formal position is not so that you're the big boss. Yeah. It's actually so that you can empower others. Really and good. you can use, probably what you were saying yeah. before, you can use your leverage to actually yeah. maybe accelerate the development of others, open doors for others. Really good. And so I think, I think learning that and coming to this formal leadership position I'm in now, and, but using that to, to help others and to learn more myself and to take feedback more, I think that's been a great thing that I've come to understand, especially in my 30s, rather than having the position, therefore 
I can just raise my voice a little and, yeah. and my way will happen. I mean, that's like the laziest way of using yeah. your formal position. Of course, you're gonna have the biggest influence, you raise your voice, you're gonna get what you want, you say I want X in the budget, it's gonna happen. But what, what a stupid way to use your power to do the obvious things that obviously you're gonna have the most sway in certain mm. decisions and whatever, when you could use your power to open doors for others and help others grow and, and refine the organization by being meek and listening and taking in, really? in the wisdom of others. And I think, I think learning that, man, there's, I, I think as I've got more and more, you know, into formal leadership, had more and more power, mm. I've realized that I know less and less yes. and I understand less and less. And there's yeah. way smarter people and there's way better leaders. So it's either I, you know, buckle down and, and, and dig in and, and really hold my position in the power or I use my position to go, let's learn, let's grow, let's find out more, let's broaden, let's deepen. Really know? good, what a shift. And like, I think the more I talk to leaders, like I'm, I'm obsessed with like studying leaders. It's one yeah. of my favorite things to read books, to watch YouTubes, to tab chats like this and mm. just see how people are managing, leading and, and really growing and mm. getting leverage around that. And I constantly find that one of the most common threads of successful leaders is that they've had defining moments or defining mm. seasons that mm. like you talk about being a young bloke who came in big vision a lot of enthusiasm mm. going somewhere and that worked it's not like yeah. that doesn't work i just maybe it doesn't work forever but um like I'm well, i think that one other one of the things that i've come to realize lately is mm. you have all of that mm. energy mm. skill passion drive and that gets you into a formal leadership position yeah it gets you like you're running a business i'm running a church but they're not the skills you need for the next season. Sorry, true. Once you're, in, once you're in the seat, yeah. you don't need the drive, the decisiveness, yeah. the, to walk over people, the, the bluntness. Yeah. You don't need that anymore because you're there. So true. So there's another new set of skills to learn and I think that's what I've been learning. I think a lot of leaders fail there because they get in the seat and then they're not sure what to do with the power. Yeah. You know, or it's because they're using the old tool bag that's and it's like you've got to find new tools. That's one of that. I reckon that's probably the hardest thing of life really, isn't it? Mm. Like realizing what this, like the change of season and the tools required for that change of season. Well, it's like when you get married. Yeah, all the skills, all the skills you need to like fall in love and find a girl and sweep her off yeah. your feet. They're not really the skills you need to be a dad, to be a husband, to raise a family. So like you true. need, there's another set of skills. Yeah. Like your wife after a few years is like, yeah, I don't really need Romeo anymore. Like I need, <laughs> responsible i need like food <laughs> that, on the table Brad just like calling me every day to convince me to be his girlfriend well that's it and and it's it's, it's so true though yeah. isn't it that would be weird yeah because you want maturity in the relationship yeah. and you want the man or the woman to find a new set of skills mm. for the next season of parenting and yeah. doing five 10 15 years together so what are your like what are, can you give us a summary of like your defining moments or seasons that have shifted that like you've you've mm. obviously had a big change of vision or really tool but your tool bag as a leader has changed yeah. a lot like what's what defined that how did that come to I think be? I think the first defining moment for me was probably at 24 yeah so that's when you became a pastor that, yeah that's kind of when I became a pastor around that age so I was studying um, exercise science at university and I've got a degree in that and that was my passion sports and training athletes and all of yeah. that and I was a leader in the church, a volunteer leader with uh, young people, youth ministry and things like yeah. that, which is a pretty typical yeah. pathway for a young person in a church. Mm. And, and the great thing about churches or organisation where there is volunteers, one of the amazing strengths is there's always 
I mean, if it's a healthy church, there's always a great pathway mm. for leadership development. That's interesting. You know, yeah, like, so. you know, you see on like Australian Idol and these things, yeah. like half the people on there are Christians yeah. because churches provide opportunities to play in bands every week and to sing. And you just yeah. don't get that in other places yeah. in the community. Yeah. To, like as a young guy, I was already preaching yeah. when I was a teenager. Like, where do you get opportunities yeah. to do public speaking when you're young? Maybe at high school, but so you have these. So, so if you want to, and I wanted to, mm. like there was there all these leadership opportunities mm. and I just grew with it and people were gracious enough to give me a go. But then it was at 24, like I actually really felt God say to me to be a leader. Yeah. So I went from like, I love this. I want to give it a go. I like the responsibility and I like mm. trying to preach and I'm 22, 23. And then I really felt God say, this is going to be what you do with your life. Wow. Like be a leader in the church. Wow. And I was like, so that was a defining moment for me because mm. it went from volunteering and helping to, to taking ownership and feeling like now it wasn't just God would like me to, it was God saying, you need to do wow. this. And if I didn't, I would be disobeying God. Wow. Where did before, that shift, yeah. Did that shift oh, totally change like me, totally your responsibility me. side? Oh, huge, massive. Yeah. Interesting. All of that. And I think that's a real lesson for everyone. I think, you know, so many people work a job, Mm. but if you find a calling, it just totally changes your mindset. So So many people go to work and help out a business and take their paychecks. Mm. You know, I gave my time and they give me money. But Mm. if you can turn your job and and what you're doing as a career into a calling, Mm. then you're going to be more satisfied at work. You're going to work harder on your Mm. skills. You're going to listen to feedback because this is my Mm. calling and every day I'm refining the purpose of my life, you know, and what I'm doing and who I am and where I'm going, what I'm contributing to the world. I'm chipping away at that every day. I'm refining my skills. I'm getting better. I'm finding more purpose and meaning. Where if it's over here and it's a job, it's contentious and I'm fighting with my boss and they give me some money and I take some of my time away and it's like this very low-level kind of attrition fight and you get worn out. So can I ask you a question on this? Because this is something that I think about a lot because... People look at my position and say that I have my own business. It's in motorcycling, which is my greatest passion. How awesome is that to do something you love every day? Mm. But then I go to my office at 8 a.m. and it's a real struggle to get out on time. And all day I do spreadsheets. <laughs> and I'm not passionate which is not about you. spreadsheets. No, no, that's not I do Brad spreadsheets, Smith. I do emailing, I'm recruiting team members. I'm, I'm not doing motorcycling. I could be selling dishwashers, <laughs> but my function get it, yeah. would be exactly the same. But I find great meaning in that I believe that my business is my platform for me to express my calling and to become yeah, yeah, the yeah, man yeah, yeah. being called to be. And I do love motorcycles and I do love my customers and my team and the challenge of going yeah, somewhere. Yeah. But I'm constantly thinking for, for my team, like the person who comes in to do the accounts every day. I don't, I don't think too many people in your normal middle-class Australia are saying my job is my absolute calling. Nah, so, so it's a how big do, problem. How do, you reckon, how do you reconcile that as someone who's, or even just for me as a business owner, but even just your, your yeah. middle-class Aussie who goes to work to do a job that if they really stopped and thought about it is not a passion, mm. but they've got to do it. That's <laughs> just a, massive... a nice tangent. <laughs> <laughs> It's a massive, I think it's a real problem. Yeah. Well, okay, so one, let's peel it back a bit. Yeah. One massive problem we have yeah. in our country is there's just so many options. So, so true. So the wealthier a country becomes, yeah. the more options everyone has. Mm. And we all know, again, this has been researched psychologically, we, humans don't do well with options. Mm. If there's three options, 
yeah. we're a lot more decisive. That when there's 10, 15, that's 20, a great we can't, revelation. We, yeah. we can't choose. And then right now, you could, that's like, it's so, you could go get trained, you could change your career, yeah. you could do anything. Well, guys our age are still working out what they want to do at mm. uni. Mm. But that's become normal to like not leave your parents home to 35, to start uni at 29. Yeah. Because we live in such a wealthy country that you're not forced to like, you lived 50, 100 years yeah. ago. It's like you're 16, 15, <laughs> you're worth Like my, yeah. my father-in-law is almost 70 and he grew up in country Victoria. Yeah. Like he didn't do finish high school. <laughs> like, like he was working at yeah. 14. He was out in it. So he was what in he... it. You had to be, you didn't eat. <laughs> so like now it's like you're going to eat you're going to have your Nike shoes, you're going to do whatever. So it's, yeah. I think, one, there's too many options. So people, mm. I think my first thing that I say to young people is just choose something. Yeah. God yeah. doesn't care what you do. Uni just mm. cares, like, you go to uni, you get a job. Just mm. choose. A, you're always going to be able to jump left, jump right, mm. you know, retrain, mm. do a second degree. But mm. you've got to get moving. And a lot of people struggle because they think motivation is something that magically comes from outside, yeah. where motivation actually comes from the inside. Mm. Mm. And you only get motivated when you start doing. Mm. Like, it. you know when you go yeah. to the gym? No one wants to go to the gym. Yeah. But by the end of it, you're like, man, that was so that good. Was the awesome. endorphins are yeah. pumping. Motivation to go back is there mm. because you actually did it. Mm. And so it's the same with a career or something. You've actually got to go to uni or get a trade or work at it, chip away at it for three or four years and motivation will come. You'll find that there's areas in your industry you never knew existed or there's mm. jobs you could do that you never knew existed. Like mm. you don't know everything, but you only know by getting in the industry. Yeah, so true. We got all these young people sitting there at 30 going, I don't know what I want to do because they're all concerned with the end job that they're yeah. going to end up at. Yeah. But they don't even, they're too young to get it. And they're too ignorant about how the world works mm. that, that you've got to do the journey. Mm. And you don't even, and I think the other thing I would say as well is self-awareness. Yeah. Like, how do you know what to do or how, what's going to fill your tank? What's your mm. career? If you don't even know really who you are, how yeah. you work. And a lot of people lack, you know, self-awareness. What are my so strengths, true. weaknesses? What am I good at? That people have blind spots. People have this story about their life running, which isn't even really true. Mm. And, and again, you don't get self-awareness until you have a boss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so or true. you're in a team at work and you realize, well, I was the smartest kid in my high school, <laughs> but I'm not the smartest kid in this workplace. Yeah. What am I good at? Yeah. And a lot of self-awareness comes in being out there, being in the game, doing mm. stuff. You know, just, just if you want to be a professional, go get a job in your 20s and just in the city and just work 50, 60 hours a yeah. week. So After five years, you'll know your strengths, you'll know your weaknesses, mm. you'll understand what you want to do, what you don't want to do. But young people are too scared to even like work two weeks in the city. Yeah. Like, oh, I've got to travel to the city and oh, I'll just stay here so making, you know, just stay here at the local cafe mm. working. Mm. And then at 29, there's still the local cafe mm. working. You're like... It's interesting. One of the big things that I've just been aware Sorry, of I'm ranting a bit no, like, <laughs> I just wanted to take that off tangent we're just like all our young adults like unsubscribe unsubscribe <laughs> unsubscribe it's true but so many people have this vision of like I'm going to get my perfect job so I'll work exactly. out what you know I'm not and most people realise they're not in that now but I think the point I'm trying to raise is that people probably look at me and say on paper I've probably found that I'm passionate about bikes yeah. it's my own business same but but I go to work every day and everything's broken. Yeah. <laughs> like people don't do exactly what they're supposed to do. Exactly. They don't sell as much as different. I should have. We lose money, bikes break, like things go wrong. That's it, so, life, welcome to life. Like. It's so true. <laughs> but you're alive. That's the bit Like that, you're on an adventure. That's exactly And it. there's a lot of crap to deal with, but, but yeah. at least you're in there. 
So true. And the more that we know who we are, the more we can come in and say, it's not what we do as much yeah. as it, who we do it as and, yeah. and how we go about doing it. And Love it. I think that's the real leadership point for me is that no matter what your job is, like let's not get tripped over on we don't have our dream jobs because yeah. kind of who does? I haven't really met anyone who does except the people who sell courses to help you get your dream job. Oh, of course. <laughs> <I like it. laughs> but it's true. It's like more about how do we come in and know exactly who we are and really work on our identity stuff yeah. and do let God deal with us and the who and the exactly. who we are as we Because then you're secure. To, then yeah. you're secure and you go to work every day and you're secure mm. in yourself. Yeah. And you don't need to be the smartest, the most emotionally yeah. intelligent, the most skilled in the workplace. But mm. if you're secure you'll slowly move forward. So like true. I was never the smartest, the cleverest. I, I, was, I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. strong in any of the things that you'd want to be strong yeah. in in high school. Interesting. But I think I was just good at sticking around mm. and I was good at just taking responsibility. Yeah. And, and that's something that I think if you ask my closest mates, I would say, Caleb's just always there. Yeah. Like I'm just consistent. Yeah. So I think it's, um, I'm a bit more like the turtle than the <laughs> hare, you know, like, um, and, and I think that's been a great attribute. So I've learned to work with that. Yeah. And, and, and a lot have come and gone over the years, but I've just kind of stayed and, and then worked on refining my skills mm. as I can. Uh, but I never had any of the formal or, or kind of razzle-dazzle mm. skills that you would want. Yeah. But in some ways, I look back and I'm probably happy with that. The smartest yeah. kids that were in my high school, mm. like most of them haven't done much. It's interesting, with isn't it? Their it's life, almost you know. like it's irrelevant to outcomes. It is, it's... like, you know. But when you're 16, like, it seems yeah. really important to get A's yeah. at school. But then you just, again, self-awareness comes, mm. you hopefully mature, and you realise, wow, there's a lot more mm. to the game than just formal English and maths at 17 at school. I like. think the more we talk about this stuff, the more you realise that leadership really has nothing to do with position. Yes, people mm. have positions in an organisation or structure to be the head of an organisation, but really every one of us has the opportunity to lead. Like as a volunteer of Definitely. this church, I hope to come here and lead whatever I can, if it's the person. What's well, it's a crazy scenario, me. Brad, because yeah. in this church, you could go from nothing, walk in one a Sunday, mm. and within a year, you could be in an amazing leadership position yeah. with a budget <laughs> and people under you and that. Yeah. Like, that's the great thing with a church mm. world, mm. is if you've got the right heart, the right character, and a little mm. bit of skill, like, you can you can get involved. Mm. So true. And there's a pathway there. Like, mm. you don't have to... Mm. It's not a political thing where you have to persuade or become yeah. friends with me or whatever or... <laughs> You don't need to get paid, so the money factor's taken yeah. out of it, but you could be doing something significant, mm. changing lives, be in a position of authority. Mm. You could have a budget to spend. Mm. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, and, and that pathway's there for people, but mm. it, it's not, uh, that sounds really easy, but yeah. it's not that easy. Yeah. And people struggle and they don't want to lead and they're afraid, and, mm. you know, it's interesting. I so I, I think taking from that, like, really, it comes down to leadership's an opportunity, and it's almost. Mm. A mindset or a or a state that we we get to operate out of. Like yeah, if you're definitely. just going to start to take more leadership. The thing is, the thing is, whether you think you're a leader or not, you are. That's a good point. Because yeah. you, everyone's going somewhere. That's a great point. And that's leadership. Yeah. If you're either going to go somewhere that you choose and try to get to, mm. or you're going to go somewhere that you didn't, and you wake up one day mm. and you just are somewhere. Yeah, mate, chuck that on. The start <laughs> of the podcast. That's the that's the bumper sticker. So you're leading. Yeah. Every moment interesting whether you embrace it or not whether you believe it or not and that's the crazy mm. so you're better off embracing it yeah. learning how to do it yeah articulating you know your point b mm. getting some help really good i think that's inspiring because we can all do that today mm. we can all start to write our vision of how we're going to lead ourselves how we're going to mm. lead our families 
how we're going to lead in whatever organization we're a part of. Mm. Even if you're the least of whatever, like on the, on the um, organizational chart, leadership starts 100%. with you, yep. not your position. I like that. Well, that's how I really came into leadership at 18. I was out of high school and I just started helping with our youth group. And I said, I'm going to rock up every Friday night. I literally remember saying to myself, I'll rock up every Friday night and just help stand, observe, empty the bins at the end of the night, help some teenagers out. What a great That's that's honestly where I started. And that was my attitude was just, I want to be around it. Mm. I had a great mentor who was running the youth group and I really loved him. And so part of it was that. And it just started from there. Awesome. And then just everything opened before me from there. But it's because I was actually out on a Friday night trying to help someone. Yeah. That then things opened. And, and a lot of the things, when I say things opened before me, a lot of that was just in my own heart. Like, mm. oh, I like this. Oh, I could do this. Like, it was just doors open within me. But it would have never happened if I was sitting at home on the couch going, I wish I could stand on a stage or, yeah. you know, I wish someone listened to me. Or, I know some stuff. You know, like, like yeah. a lot of people, you just, you're the couch expert mm, so true just sitting at home just telling everyone what's wrong with the world but you're not out there yeah. like i'm happy yeah. for people like in our own church even to criticize something yeah if they're in the game yeah if they're helping if they're mm. leading mm. but don't don't sit in the back row of the church and don't you know you never lift a finger mm. to help mm. and then you think you've got a position to criticize mm. like you know because that's not that's not leadership anyone yeah. can be a critic so true you know so i'm interested to know like who are some of the key people that have helped you refine what leadership is and like mentors jesus or... <laughs> actually i was one of my questions i wanted to the ask greatest you. leader of all time <laughs> we've are we allowed to, to talk about point. jesus i don't know how long we've been going we've got to this point to get to maybe you. we need to bring it home <laughs> we do so tell me firstly about that i wanted to ask about what it is oh you want to be, be serious Christian about that okay. i want to know what it is to be i hear you talk about servant-based leadership I don't know, you can put the bumper sticker on it, but I'm interested (laughs) to hear what it is. What's the difference between, not what the difference, what is it to be a Christian leader? Yeah, Christian leadership's hard. Yeah. Yeah. So when Jesus, you know, came, so we believe Jesus is the son of God and came to the earth about 2,000 years ago. Yeah. So when Jesus rocked up, Mm. leadership was pretty well defined. It was the Roman centurion would go out to the battlefield for 10, 20 years and expand yeah. the Roman Empire by winning battles out yeah. on the, you know, fighting the, the, the barbarians, yeah. <laughs> you know. And that was literally, that was what it meant to be a man. That's what it meant to be a leader. And then that military leader, after killing, pillaging, raping, destroying, being the most manliest man you could ever be. I mean, imagine that 2,000 wow. years ago with your sword. If you survive that 20 years, then you come back to Rome mm. and you, you have a big house, a wife, you have a political position wow. because you have this military career. So then Jesus comes and says, like, in, in, he says things like, the greatest among you will be your servant. Yeah. <laughs> you imagine the Romans listening to that? They'd be like, no, the greatest is the guy with the sword who stabs everyone <laughs> and, you know, wins battle. And, it's like, and, and then he says all this stuff about being the least. And then he's like a, 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 a rabbi, a guru, a, like the greatest teacher on the face of the earth. Yet he's hanging out with lepers, which no one yeah. went near lepers. He's spending time with prostitutes, tax collectors. So this is like your modern day pedophile, uh, murderer. Um, you know, domestic violence, abuser, stalker, guy who beats his wife. He spends time with them as the greatest leader. Wow. And then to, and, and then to bring all this to an ahead and to bring it all to a victory, he, he goes to the cross and dies as a common criminal. Mm. 
There's no battle. There's no winning. You know, there's no, there's no playoff. There's no, like, victory parade. He goes and he dies. And all of his uh, followers are like, well, that was a fun three, four years. And, you know, it's all come to an end and he's dead. And, well, let's just go home. But then he rises from the dead. And that's the clincher that changes yeah. everything, you know. So his victory was actually dying and sacrificing. So servant leadership in the Jesus Christ example is actually... It's sacrifice and it's laying down your life for others. Mm. And this is what our whole Western culture, democracy mm. is all now built on. It's not built on the military leader, the toughest mm. guy. It's actually built on servant leadership. Mm. So even in Australia, our prime minister, he's called the prime as in number one, mm. minister as in servant. Minister wow. means servant. So he's the number one servant in Australia. Mm. That's what it means to be the prime minister. Yeah. That's all come from Christianity. Wow. Because we now see our prime minister as the number one servant of the nation. And when we vote him in, we expect him to lay down his life for the good of the country. Mm. This is totally we different. This. this is We're totally sad. different to the Roman and, and many countries still today where to be the number one is to be the military leader, is to have killed your opponents, uh, is to risen to the top through corruption. This is mm. the usual way of leadership in the world. Yeah. For Western culture, we demand this ethical mm. servant you know, I think I think Scott Morrison, our Prime Minister, gets paid like four hundred thousand dollars a year yeah. to run as, the country. It's not much. It's when ridiculous. You're in the grand scheme of... oh, it's ridiculous. You should be paid millions. <laughs> yeah. That's why we don't have the best people running our country. Because mm. in the business world, he'd be earning two million dollars a year yeah. as a CEO somewhere. Mm. You know, so we don't even pay them well because people would be offended if he got paid mm. too much. People think it's too much already. Oh, Most it's people just would insane. Be saying that's a Could lot. you imagine he works from 5.15am to 10pm every day running a country and you get 400,000 bucks? That's <laughs> you... just ludicrous. But I think that's, that's, and so when you follow Jesus, leadership becomes about, simply about sacrifice and laying down your life for people. Mm. And that requires you uh, to grow up a lot, to be very mature, to be very um, resilient, mm. to be very thick-skinned yeah. and to have your eye on, on the goal and the mission and not on mm. people's happiness and feelings because it's a life of mm. sacrifice and service. Really good. And by that, people's feelings will be affected anyway because yeah. they're not the number one. And I've seen that a lot here. Mm -hmm. The more you touch someone's heart and help them to serve and step into Christ-like, um, ministry mm. the more their emotions change and yep. line up to that anyway yeah exactly it's really interesting that's no, good to see. and when you're a leader in the church you're always a leader you're always a follower of christ first yeah. and then you're a leader second yeah so that's the great equalizer At the end of the day mm. i might have the formal position mm. in the church mm. but ultimately i'm on the mm. same level as everyone else we all mm. believe in jesus and follow him yeah so every time i preach i preach to help people follow jesus better mm. But I'm also preaching to myself and I'm sitting there in the congregation also really growing, also following Jesus, also being convicted by the scriptures I'm teaching mm. about, like I'm not better. Yeah. And that's the real, and that's the danger in church leadership. Mm. The pastor, the priest, you know, the rabbi mm. um, can drift into this thing where they think they know better because yeah. they're the expert on the scriptures and whatever. And therefore like they lead from a position of uh, an authoritarian position. Mm where Jesus always led from behind at the bottom, the last. It's interesting because even here, like you've started to ask us not to call you Pastor Caleb on a Sunday because mm. you said that somehow that subconsciously tells someone that you've got some special anointing that yeah. they don't have. And 
that's the first time I've really heard that in, well, I'm pretty new to church anyway, but like that, <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. And it's true, you're trying to say with everything that you do that we have access to the same Christ. Yep. And he's alive, the same Christ is alive in you, me, and the person at home. And exactly. I'm trying to do that at work as well, to be a Christ-like leader, to have him at the center and to be a servant-based leader, which mm. is really difficult for me. Really difficult. Like, especially in business world, I wanna, we're there firstly, we've got to make sure that we deliver a result to our customers so we can drive a, pro a profit mm. and out of that I want to see my people flourish and um, I think the more that I put my eyes on Christ the more he leads me in his ways and 100%. I've learned a lot from watching you lead your team here in the church and learning more about Christ himself to take into my workplace and um, really good. it's helped me massively so I love watching that and really good I love like chatting and is there any parting shots no I just think I just think I think the big takeaway for me, just as we've talked, is interesting. I just think yeah, everyone is a leader. Mm. And that's what we're part of what we're trying to do with this podcast. Yeah. Yes, there's formal leadership. Yes, there's leading in your home as a parent or whatever. Mm. But I think everything starts with leading yourself well. Yeah. And really I think that's good. probably the take home. Yeah. Is um, it, that's the mindset shift. Yeah. You know, don't fight leadership, fight responsibility, fight mm. going on a mission, yeah. an adventure to somewhere. Yeah. Uh, embrace that as life. Yeah and look at yourself as a leader, yeah. even if that's just leading your own life, and, and then come back and, and, and if you wanna start, if you're at the mm. starting point, just lead yourself well by, mm. by doing a budget for your yeah. money, yeah. by organizing your time, yeah. uh, by articulating where you wanna go and, yeah. and going after that, even though you know you're gonna have heaps of problems to solve along the way, just control what you can control. Mm. That's the first step of leadership within oh, your own okay. world. And then once you can control this, people will start to say, hey, can you control this out here? Can you control this over there? And then that's where leadership begins to flow beyond yourself. Yeah. You'll find a woman who says, hey, you know, or, or a guy that wants to marry you or be with you because it's like, hey, I, I see, I can trust your leadership in love, in a relationship, in a home to raise a family because I can see you can actually lead your life. You know, a lot of people want love, but they don't want to organize their own life. Yeah, so true. And it's like, I mean, especially for a woman, like my, my wife's a very clever woman and she would have never come near me if I couldn't even organize myself. <laughs> you know, because who wants yeah. to marry someone who can't lead? Themselves. My wife's the same. I, she is so organized and so <laughs> intelligent and I had to sort myself out. That's it. It's but really that's good. what, I mean, a true relationship, mm. I really had to sort myself out too, as did my wife, to get mm. married. Mm because you realize, man, to lead at this next level as husband, as mm. wife, mm. Uh, is gonna take, you know, growing up and being a better, and then to lead as mum and as dad mm. is another level too. And then to lead in a church, to lead in business, that's another level, but, but at least start with what you can control. Really and then people good. will start to give you problems they can't control and you get a chance to try and work them out and take some people somewhere. Really good. I think if you've listened this far, the big take home and encouragement from me, I'm gonna do this myself. Mads sure. and I try and do this every, we're doing 12 week goals at the moment. Great. So at the end of 12 weeks we review and I um, love the that. big thing that I've taken from just our chats even on this podcast has been to document that vision mm. and to document that scoreboard so we can see if we're winning or losing yep. based on where we believe we're being called to be. And, really good. Um, yeah, I just encourage you guys, if you're at home watching along, I'd love to, see in the comments or send us a message personally if you document sort of almost like your own PRD for yeah. your job like yeah. what's for your life like what's your vision where you're going what's the scoreboard to be able to see if you're, you're on track I think yeah. anyone who has those two things in place the probability of them heading in the direction of their calling is so much higher and 100% I love it so 
Awesome. Have a good mate. Mate, thank you. Good thank job. you very much. Well done. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm going to interview you soon. (laughs) I trust you were impacted by that Leadership Lessons podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts about today's podcast. Please comment down below and please review the podcast and share it with a friend. Doing this inspires us and helps others to find the podcast. See you next time.